At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. The legends are true. Overwhelming power. The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. I'm going to sell you on some things right here. Listen to me closely. You have Tenny here, Mr. Finger Roll himself. He's a leader. He's a great passer. He's it. Anyway, next. Him, behind me, superhuman. We don't even have to discuss him. He speaks for himself. Look how mean he looks in the picture. Like, okay. Then me, I'm up and coming. Pro Bowl, year two. Not a big deal. Kind of a big deal, but not really. You, the GOAT of our era, of our receivers. Help me help you. Come home, Julio. Come home. AJ Brown, helping to get the deal done or not. Either way, it was entertaining. That was something that popped up in recent days as the Titans became more and more the favorite to land Julio Jones, betting markets notwithstanding. Should have been the Titans all along. Hopefully you listened to us. Hopefully you made a little it, money. Right? I said Hopefully it. you made yep. a little money. Hopefully you didn't bet on the Patriots. Hopefully you didn't bet on the Seahawks. If you listen to this show, you wouldn't have wasted a penny on the possibility of Julio Jones becoming a Seattle Seahawk. It happened on Sunday. And let me just say this again. What? Chris, we got two full hours here to talk about whatever we want to talk exactly. about. Exactly. I, I make an open plea to all NFL teams. Don't transact business on a Sunday in June when it's 90 degrees and beautiful out. Don't do it. We got businesses to run here. We got web traffic to serve. We got people who need to be engaged with their devices in order to come read the stories. Yesterday was not an ideal day for football news to be broken. Today, better because people are at work and they're looking for things to do other than work. Right. On a Sunday in June when it's beautiful after Memorial Day weekend that was largely a washout, yeah. don't drop it on a Sunday. What are you doing, Falcons and Titans? Uh, Help us out here. Well, they don't care about you. I mean, obviously. I mean, come on. Well, I don't care but, about them. Yeah, well, I don't know. I don't know if that's true exactly since you're this plea you're making. Uh, but, I mean, I, I hear you. It was. It's like a weird weird it was really nice weather up here in the northeast it is you're outside with the kids whatever you look and you're like whoa there's real news going on 
But either way, I don't think anybody like really unpacked it yesterday to where it's still got some some life to it. And we're going to unpack it today. So it's pretty cool. I mean, See, it's amazing. You didn't, read, you didn't read PFT yesterday. We unpacked the hell out of it yesterday. Uh, every angle, as we always do for every big story, 10 different posts at least looking at every angle of it. But we'll talk about every angle of it. Here's how fast it happened. Right. I mean, I, I was plugged into the Matrix yesterday morning. No days off, baby. Writing stories about stuff that's going on in the NFL. Actually had written a story within an hour earlier saying this impasse continues until someone blinks. Little did I know that Arthur Blank was in the process of blinking. I take a break to go to the bathroom. He's going to the bathroom. I went and I come back and it's done. That fast. Boom, bang, pow. So anyway, yes, it was, uh, it was an exciting day. And we knew that the Titans were the team to watch. And we knew that a second-round pick would be the maximum compensation, notwithstanding reports of a first-round pick being in play. Those came with caveats that made it far from a first-round pick. So at the end of the day, it's Julio Jones plus a 2023 sixth-round pick to the Titans for a second-round pick in 2022 from Tennessee to Atlanta and a fourth round pick in 2023 from Tennessee to Atlanta structure very similar to the Hayden Hurst trade and what the and and Chris this gets back to what we've been saying all along because the Falcons got a second round pick from Muhammad Sanu in 2019 from the Patriots and they turned around and sent that same second round pick 55th overall in the 2020 draft to the Ravens for Hayden Hurst and it was the second round pick plus a five for Hurst plus a four, there was going to be some extra compensation after that second round pick to get this thing done. That's what it took. Peter King breaks it down in Football Morning in America. It was going to be more than a two. It wasn't going to be a one. It was going to be more than a two. So it's a two plus a future four right. for Jones and a six. And they finally get the grains just right. So it balances out and the Falcons say, all right, let's be done with it. Yeah, get the grains right, whatever whatever you want to say. I mean, yeah, the Falcons, I'm sure they still didn't love trading him away for a second round pick and a fourth, you know, because of the optics like we talked about. So, I mean, we're going to unpack all of that. We'll get to that. But, I mean, I think the star of the show is the Tennessee Titans and what they acquired here. I mean, come on. The Tennessee Titans just went from – playoff contender to you know playoff contender ooh maybe they can make a run I don't know if they're a real Super Bowl contender to now they're a full-fledged Super Bowl contender I mean that, that that's 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 all they're said to be you know that's all there needs to be said you know they've made adjustments on the defensive side of the ball we saw that you know had a pretty good draft but now you add this formula here it's hard for me to come up with a formula really you know this this when you just talk about like weapons having to defend. I mean, the things that come to my mind right away, okay, and I understand these are the great names in the pantheon of the sport, but the formula is what makes sense to me. Whether it's like the Cowboys with Emmett Smith and Michael Irving and Harper, or it was a John Taylor, Roger Craig, and Jerry Rice. I mean, that's what kind of element we have here, but really, I think almost greater than that. You know, really, A.J. Brown is definitely one of the top 10 receivers in football, arguably top five. I think Julio, when healthy and everything's good, is still right in the top five range. So you talk about that with the number one running back in the game. I, that's as, as, as loaded as of a three as far as talent is concerned as I can remember. It's up there with, with some of the greats in history, at least just from the pure talent on the field. Now they got to kind of, you know, show it and prove it. The move 
has altered the betting markets to a certain extent. You see has it there. To. Tennessee was up, but not much. Plus 120 favorite yeah. to win the division before plus 110 after. Not a huge dump there. And the Colts fall from actually they were the favorites of plus 100 to plus 110. So it's even now between Tennessee and Indianapolis. And you see there Tennessee winning the Super Bowl plus 3,500 down to plus 3,000. Julio Jones is an MVP candidate down from plus 15,000 to plus 10,000. And then Ryan Tannehill, his MVP candidacy increases because look, you got Julio Jones, you got AJ Brown, you got Derrick Henry. And if the Titans are a team that emerges from the pack in the AFC, competing for and maybe securing the one seed. We, we say that every year. One of the MVPs is likely to be the quarterback of one of the one seeds. Yeah, that's right. Last year, one seed, Green Bay, Aaron Rodgers, MVP. So, uh, you know, either one, one seed or two seed from either conference, the quarterback of that team ends up being a guy to watch for MVP. And wouldn't that be something if Ryan Tannehill ended up being the NFL MVP? After the Dolphins gave him eight years eight years to develop into a franchise quarterback. The moment they trade him and pay $5 million to make it happen, he becomes comeback player of the year for the Titans, gets a big contract, and now yeah. he's in a great position That's right. with the weapons that he has. And speaking of that transaction from two years ago when the Dolphins had to pay $5 million of the Tannehill compensation to facilitate a trade to the Titans, the Titans didn't get that this time around. The Falcons avoided paying Anything. $15.3 million guaranteed for skill, injury, and cap will be fully paid by the Titans this year. There's another $2 million full guarantee next year. $38 million plus over three years. That's fully and completely the Titans' obligation. Falcons paying none of it. And the other big caveat, too, if Julio Jones plays well this year, he's not playing for $38 million over three years. He's getting a raise. Or at a minimum, he's wanting a raise after one season, if not sooner, Chris. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I get it. That's that's part of the gamble here of trading for, for Julio Jones. John Robinson, really smart guy. I mean, understands football. I, I think he's probably looked at it and understands that's that the writing's on the wall there, too, to where they feel comfortable about you know, what that might bring to them next year or the year after or whatever. They're going to have to really dig in and, and figure out a contract for Julio Jones. But obviously they're comfortable with it. The risk was worth the reward to them. They just said, wait, the guy's still really freaking talented. Yeah, wait, let's do our homework. Let's make sure he's still healthy. Okay, he's good. Um, all right, we can't pass it up. It's, it was, a, 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 I think, a, a need for the football team that was real, like there was a real spot for them as far as having that needing that next extra weapon attention seeker whatever it is to make their football team better and the, I think the other thing too Mike where they just look at it and go okay the risk all that type of stuff the contract everything I mean what it's going to do for them schematically the formula on the football field Mike I mean really you got two legit number one receivers on both sides of the ball two type of guys where when teams play Atlanta or the Tennessee Titans, they want to put safeties over the top of A.J. Brown and Julio Jones, right? And, yeah, you can get away with it. One safety over the top of A.J. Brown without another weapon. And, okay, we could bring the other guy down and cheat away to stop the run still and do that. Now they're really going to put you in a bind. That's the beauty of it. The way they play football, it really fits. And now teams are going to have decisions to make to go, wait, do we want to? Yeah, I mean, let's go, Ryan Tannehill saying, right? I mean, I'm sure he was doing cartwheels and backflips and everything else because 
he's he, they're going to have packages at the line of scrimmage, Mike. The defense isn't going to be right. I mean, they're just not going to be able to be right. Oh, oh, you're coming down to stop the run? Oh, we got one-on-one with A.J. Brown and Julio Jones outside? Well, good night. I'm Ryan Tannehill. I throw the ball down the field really well. We're just going to pick you apart. Oh, wait, now you want to protect it? You know, play coverage. You're worried about the big plays? Well, here comes the old sledgehammer, number 22, between the tackles. So it's really smart from that sense. It's a good player. It really is a system fit. And I think they figured they're that close and that one player away from really being in the thick of things here. And that's why John Robinson does it and, and takes on those things you're talking about. There have been times where we've been smitten with the concept of triplets. But some teams, whether it be the Colts with Peyton Manning, the greatest show-offs on turf. Yeah. It's not just quarterback, running back, receiver. It's quarterback, running back, two great receivers. Exactly. And now the Titans enter that group, and it doesn't happen very often. No. Where everything lines up just right, where you have great quarterback, great running back, great receivers, two of them. You got four guys that can create havoc, and it's going to be pick your poison. Every time we see that, it becomes a pick your poison proposition. The offense gets souped up. And this is what A.J. Brown said yesterday via the Titans website all the way up through college. Julio's been my favorite receiver, someone I've always looked up to. Just having someone like that in the locker room now that I can just ask, what do I need to do here? It's great. We talk all the time anyway, but having someone that close and to see it on the field firsthand for yourself, it's great. I have a picture in my locker of Julio, and I ask myself every day before I go out to practice, don't let Julio outwork you because that's how I measure myself up to the best receiver in the game. To have him on the same team as me, it's going to raise my level of play, which is great. And it is. It is. That's why he was out there with those videos. Right. He knows. If Julio Jones shows up, all of a sudden A.J. Brown's not getting as much attention as he used to. A.J. Brown becomes a guy who gets open. A.J. Brown becomes a guy who can set up for himself the kind of contract that he wants when the window opens after this season. You know, we talked as related to the Seahawks getting into a mess. You got DK Metcalf coming up for a contract after this year. Julio's going to want a new contract. Same deal in Tennessee. You got A.J. Brown coming up for a contract after this year, and Julio's going to want to get paid if he doesn't get paid on his way through the door. That's something the Titans are going to have to. That's something. They're going to have to figure out. Yeah. that, that, That to me... Like, obviously, they felt okay with the the Julio thing and all that. But, yeah, I I mean, yes, you're going to have two guys that are top ten receivers in football that are going to be ready for new contracts. And we know that that can be an issue. So, uh, I don't know. John Robinson obviously feels comfortable about where they are in that situation. But you're right. That's going to be a tough one to balance. It really is. Other thing I wanted to say, I mean – I mean, you know, talk all the time. See, there there that goes, too. We talk all the time. So he knew. He knew how bad Julio wanted to be in Tennessee and all of those type of things. I don't think I realized really in that original video where he goes through the players as the picture. I don't I think I missed that he was wearing the Julio Jones jersey in that in there with the the tape around it and number eight. But yeah. You know, obviously, listen, I, there's a lot of similarities between the player. They're both jacked and specimens, and they're similar in their skill set. You know, I'm not going to say A.J. Brown's quite Julio Jones. Julio's a really, really, really special like wide receiver, but A.J. Brown's really, really damn good, too. And 
just again with the way they fit. It's like, Mike, it's like we talked about with a lot of these great offenses, whether it goes back to like you're talking about, you know, the Colts with Reggie Wayne and Marvin Harrison, you're not going to be able to pin either guy to like one aspect of the offense. Oh, this guy goes short and this guy goes deep or this guy runs the routes and this guy just runs straight routes. No, they're both going to do that. They both run block. They're both physical that way they're both willing to go over the middle after a play action pass and do that type of stuff so really like from the football standpoint it makes so much sense and then I think from the culture standpoint it makes a lot of sense here too I mean it really does and it's a team that was close and you know I love it they just basically they they had a you know a few chips in the pile in the middle and they went all in this weekend and said all right that's it we feel like we're pretty damn good we've made some moves in the offseason draft was good we're close we're actually just this guy away here we go we're coming after the Super Bowl in 2021 and I love it and AJ Brown did make it clear that despite his admiration of Julio Jones he is not giving up number 11 (laughs) number eight that that we've seen so far and hey look somebody'd have to pay for all those AJ Brown number 11 jerseys at retail if AJ Brown changes his number and gives Julio number 11 and meanwhile any Falcons fan that may have bought number 11 in recent weeks sorry you're not going to get your money back although I think they have some sort of a some sort of plan with fanatics that if a guy's traded there is some sort of jersey guarantee I don't know I, I would suggest looking into that if you have purchased a Julio Jones jersey at any point in the last 60 or 90 days because obviously now uh he ain't with the Falcons anymore Let's hear from John Robinson about the transaction. We've we've praised the Titans. We're praising him. Let's hear what he had to say about it because I got a point, Chris. I want to make on the other side. Here's cool. Robinson regarding the trade that brings Julio Jones to Nashville. Excited to add Julio to the football team. Um, he's he's excited to be a part of of what we got going on here in Nashville, and um, you know it's a big day for our team. We've been talking, Jim, for probably. Um, you know, two or three, uh, two or three weeks here, uh, back and forth with with Atlanta and, and, and Terry Fontenot down there. And uh, my hats off to him. It's just this is his first uh, big trade. He was great to work with, um, but uh, he's got a great career ahead of him. Uh, so I appreciate working with him and dealing with him. Um, but we had discussions, um, really, you know, kind of back and forth for the last uh, couple of weeks. Kind of picked up in intensity a little bit uh, yesterday. Uh, and then finally found some closure this morning on it and um, able to agree uh, to the terms on it. So whatever the, the value is, is, is the value. I and mean, we felt like it was it was good value for us, and, and Atlanta felt like it was good value for, for them, obviously, or they wouldn't have done the trade. Um, you know, they're excited, and, and we're excited. Separately, Chris, Peter King spoke to John Robinson yesterday, and he asked Robinson about the health issue with Julio Jones, the fact that he missed seven games last year with a hamstring injury. Robinson told Peter that that was big in the decision, missing time last year. What were the circumstances surrounding that? Based on our evaluation of him, he's healthy, and it doesn't look like he's lost anything to us. This gets back to the point that we've been making, and it's a point that you have to make delicately because I'm not accusing Julio Jones of anything. This is a reality of modern football. He's not the first to do it. He won't be the last. That hamstring's got a little grab in it. It's got a little pull. It's got a little tweak. Sorry, I can't go today. Yeah, that's right. That's what you hear from a guy who isn't happy. Guy's happy. Guy feels like he's properly paid. Guys feel like guy feels like everything's in a good place. Feels like his efforts are right. Team's not in the playoff race. Right. Yeah, 
then then I'll get out there and I'll play and I'll risk future and further injury. So I, I think that was that was how you reconcile. And it's not something they're going to articulate because it is, you know, it's not exactly the way you want to welcome Julio Jones into the team. Hey, no, he's healthy. No. He was faking it those last few weeks. He was embellishing (laughs) last year. We're we're, we're, we're fine with that because we think he really was healthy. You can't say that, but I think that's what the Titans have concluded, Chris. I I, I mean, it sounds like obviously they're very comfortable with that. And I mean, I hear what you're saying there. I kind of I hear it, too. I thought you were right from that point from the get go that it. You know, listen, if they were in a Super Bowl run and things like that, yeah, then maybe you might have saw him. But, yeah, with the circumstances he was in, eh, it's not 100%. I'm not going to test it. Let me just see where it goes for all the reasons you explained. Like, I'm with you there. And, Mike, I mean, again, too, like, you know, oh, we did all our research and all that stuff. Hey, listen, when any any team says that, I I mean, listen, I just know too many stories of, like, oh, well, you know, we knew he was going to be working out at this park in Atlanta at this time. And, oh, we just happened to have somebody there across the street, not at the field of value. They just happened to be across the street, and they got to see him work out. And go, well, his hamstring looks pretty good. I just happened to be walking by that park in Atlanta, and there was Julio Jones. It was the craziest thing ever. I mean, listen, I, I, I can't, you know, tell on people, but I, I, I know 15, 20 of those stories over the last 20 years of my life in the NFL. So I would think there's some real inside knowledge to the health of Julio Jones as to what you're saying and, and would agree with you there. So that, that's where they feel comfortable about it. And, you know, at, at base level, hey, it does look like the Tennessee Titans won the trade. Of course it does. They got a first ballot Hall of Famer, a guy that's still, you know, on the outside edge of his prime and playing really good football. And yes, it's a second and a fourth round pick for a guy that just pushed a team into the Super Bowl window. So yeah, it looks like they won this one for sure. But, you know, I don't know if it's quite as easy as that because there's a lot of other circumstances that play into this. One of the other angles that came up yesterday once we saw that the Titans are getting Julio Jones for a two and a four, and they're also getting a six back, so it's not a straight two and a four. Yeah. And and, and this is how you find out who does and doesn't pay attention every day to the NFL and primarily to the NFL because people were surprised that, oh, that, that's all they're getting? Well, haven't you been following the story for the last – six weeks yeah that's all they're getting they wanted more they weren't getting more they're getting a two and they were lucky to get more than a two they finally blinked and if you follow it closely primarily at pft you know all that you're not surprised by it but plenty of people in the media yes and players were surprised when they saw the final terms now look i don't expect the players to follow this stuff every single day that's every right day, they every don't single day not many do but you know if you're if you're a, a, a zealous fan or if you're in the media, you should not be surprised by the idea that it was a two and a four. And Jalen Ramsey's comments really struck me. I, I'm surprised no one had explained to him what was going on, especially since he's one of the reasons why they couldn't go get Jalen Ramsey. There's only so many big ticket items you can go buy at the store before you run out of money, Chris. Yeah, that's right. I mean, it's just, I mean, they, they've, you know, First round picks, high contracts, everything like that. The Rams, it's it's not that easy, you know. And yes, I know at at base level, the value doesn't look right for a guy that we're talking about like this, who's you know on the edge of a top five receiver or top ten, definitely a top ten in the NFL type of talent. It doesn't, but like it's 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 not about 
it, like it's not about the player as we've just we've talked and we've tried to explain to people. You know, yeah, I think people that didn't really pay attention to the nuts and bolts of the situation and players don't always pay attention to that stuff. They just see Julio Jones, he's got to be worth the first round pick and they just chalk it up to that in their brain. Oh, they'll figure it out at some point he'll get traded for a first round pick and I think that's really what the casual fan thinks too. But no, like you know, it's not about the player, it's about the market. It's about the need. And that's where it was off for Atlanta. And that's where I don't look at Atlanta and go, oh, this was a bad trade. I going to kind of put a, a look at it and go, no, their timing was bad. Everything like that was bad. How they planned it was bad. For the situation the way it is right now, I don't blame them for doing what they had to do. Yeah, they're getting in like, you know, scary, uncharted water, waters here. Oh, what do you? They don't want to bring Julio Jones to camp and have to pay the fifteen million dollars in case he gets hurt or something like that. So it's all scary that way. So that's where you know that's where I think you know some of the people that don't pay attention totally are kind of lost with that a little bit. And that's where to me Atlanta dropped the ball. Not about right now, but how they plan this out and when they should have really been aggressive to try to trade Julio Jones. Well, and look, part of it, too, was that there had been long-standing dysfunction between Jones and the Falcons going back at least three years. From the moment that Matt Ryan got a contract that pays out $30 million per year, and Julio had one that paid fifteen, and he said, essentially, what's wrong with this picture? That guy isn't worth $2 for every $1 I get, exactly. and he embarked on an effort to get more and ultimately got more, got more without holding out at the 2018 start of training camp got to 22 million per year in new money average that still didn't quite mend the fence and maybe if we had known more about what was going on at the time and they did a great job of keeping it under wraps Julio Jones discreet by nature not a guy that's going to go air out dirty laundry the Falcons like every other team don't want that stuff out there they handled their business privately but Chris that's when it becomes a disadvantage to a team exactly when you do trade him for what the average casual drive-by fan or media member would look at and say whoa whoa exactly a second round pick right i thought i heard espn say there was a first round exactly pick right on the, you know, right that, and that's that's where it hurt the falcons too look i firmly believe from talking to people around the league, that the Falcons were deliberately leaking incomplete information in an effort to try to get that first-round pick, and that the only first-round pick that was ever on the table had as much as a second-round pick attached to Julio Jones. Hey, Falcons, you want a first-round pick? Fine, you got to give us Julio and a two if you want a first-round pick that bad. Yeah, with That the part of it million. didn't come out. Right. Right, and it creates the expectation they're going to get a first-round pick. Yeah. So they went all in, yeah. try, telling a half-truth right. to try to get that first-round pick, and, and it didn't work. No. And, and that contributes. That's where you need to understand how your strategy and your tactics for getting what you want are potentially going to blow up in Later your face on. from a PR standpoint. Yes. Because there are going to be people look at it and say, what in the hell is wrong with the Falcons? They get a second-round pick for one of the best receivers in the history of the game? No, no doubt about it. They kind of set that expectation by trying to push the market that way. You're right. And now it's a failed expectation to the casual fan who doesn't really maybe understand that. And it's really only going to get worse. I could say that, you know, again – I, I don't think I don't look at Atlanta and going, this is a bad trade. No, I don't. 
I mean, it's going to get worse because Julio's going to get 1,200 yards receiving next year and go to the Pro Bowl, and the Titans are going to be one of the top three seeds, and everyone's going to make a oh, social media yeah. joke about, <laughs> they got this guy for a second-round pick. It's going to be a— Which a, is basically a third-round pick. Yeah, it's going to—exactly. It's going to become a, a joke. I mean, it is. It's going to become an online media type of joke that way. And th that's, to me— where all the things you explained, Mike, Julio Jones three years ago, all of those type of things, uh, uh, we, we, we discussed this a little during the season last year, right, Mike? I mean, I know before the trade deadline, we discussed, I know I was saying, if I'm Atlanta, I'm looking to trade Julio Jones. The era of this team is over. It's time to restart and do a new one. I know I was one of the guys saying that. We had a lot of discussions about that. Yep. That's where they dropped the ball. Cap hit, cap hit was too big. Too they big. They finally got to a point when June 2 came around this year that right. the cap hit was manageable. And maybe they would have done it last year uh, if they could have gotten more than the second round pick they got from Muhammad Sanu. That Sanu trade and the Hayden Hurst trade it hurts just screwed things up. It got Arthur Blank to dig in. And I, look, I was told a week or so ago they could have had a second round pick with no financial obligation to pay any of his salary. And they won't pay any of his salary. We've already said that. Um, they could have had that at the time of the draft. It still would have been 2022 because the trade couldn't happen until June 2. But there really was a question whether they were going to find something as good as what they could have had around the time of the draft once all these teams go out and spend first and second round picks on receivers. That They should be happy that they got more than a straight two and not having to pay the Julio Jones salary because there were people who thought they weren't going to get even that much. So, And, and, and that's where you have to ask yourself as an organization. How far down the dirty laundry rabbit hole do we want to go now and make it clear That's where it becomes, our hands were tied on right, this? Right. We had no choice. Right. This relationship was off the rails. And, and if, the, if the Falcons are smart, they'll find a way. Yes. Once it's all final, once it's done, to, to, without, without making their guy look bad, but to make it clear that this was an untenable situation, the time had come to move on, we did what we had to do. I think they're trusting people in the media who get it to blow that megahorn. Is that how megaphone? Blow that horn. Blow, oh, God, it's a, it's a Sims. Simsism. Blow that horn. Megahorn. Sound that megaphone. The megahorn, baby. I, I like it. Megahorn is I a think thing. it works. I bet the megahorn is a thing. But I think they're counting on those of us who get it to say, hey, people, people, calm down, calm down, look. They, they, this is the best they could have done. That's the best, because right. Because this relationship was as fractured as Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay and other situations where we say those two can't coexist much longer. Yeah, it, it was over. There's no doubt. That's why I'll, I'll continue to say, for right now, this was. This is a good deal. I'm not mad at Atlanta. The one thing I just questioned, like, too, to add it to, like, the trade deadline last year, which, of course, is not this current regime. So I'm not trying to blame anybody there. Right. And I understand the old regime is, you know, trying to hold on to, oh, maybe we could save our jobs and make this work. Oh, the, the interim regime. Raheem oh. Morris is trying to earn that yeah, job. Exactly. That was the key. Right. Exactly. So there's 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 reluctance there. But uh, where I will question it is maybe why there wasn't more conversations or more of an aggressive approach earlier in the offseason. And I don't know all the backstories there. Maybe there, maybe this wasn't figured out. Maybe Julio didn't say, I definitely want out there. I'm not trying to accuse. But I'm just saying, like, in the world of maximization for your trade and value and all that, you know, getting back to that conversation, like we've discussed, if we got into this right at the start of free agency and things like that, 
they might have gotten something closer to what they wanted. To where, yeah, you get a trade going there. You could you could wait to get the particulars done to still June 2nd to figure out the financial issues and everything like that. But you have all the teams there that are still, wait, we don't have a free agent receiver. We haven't hit the draft yet. Whoa, Julio Jones is available. Wow, we like him better than any free agent receiver. And, of course, he's a proven commodity who's better than anybody in the draft. So we like that a lot. That's when they could have really maximized. That, to me, would be the big question I would want to ask Atlanta and go, why wasn't this done three months ago? That, that, that's the one I, thing. I, I got a know. theory. Yeah. Yeah. I got a theory on that. Right. And – why don't we do this? Cool. Why don't we take a break here? Yeah. We've got plenty of time to talk more about the Julio Jones trade on the other side. When we return, why I think they didn't start earlier in the effort to try to trade Julio Jones. We'll discuss that when PFT Live continues right after this. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. The legends are true. Overwhelming power. The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of McDonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. For the world's greatest athletes. <laughs> This is the showdown we've been waiting for. There is nothing like competing on the world's biggest stage. It's a world record again! Goal for the United States! Unbelievable! And when that stage is Paris, anything can happen. I have never seen anything like this! How about that? An Olympics unlike any other. What a performance! The Paris Olympics. This summer on NBC and streaming on Peacock. Arthur Blank, the owner of the Atlanta Falcons, bought the team nearly 20 years ago, issued a statement, the only statement that came from anyone with the Falcons organization regarding the guy that they traded up in round one 10 years ago to get, one of the great players in the history of the franchise. There's a statement there. We also have the full text of it at PFT. Chris, I thought it was interesting that there was no statement from GM Terry Fontenot or from head coach Arthur Smith just something perfunctory Fontenot's been with the Saints I I know firsthand the difficulty that Julio Jones creates for an opposing team we uh, yada 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 period yeah, end of release. I hear you. Arthur Smith my former team the Titans is getting a great competitor we've studied him we've competed with him but yeah something perfunctory that just is like hey here we go I I think that it wasn't an accident that both guys were silent. And this gets to the point that we were talking about earlier. Why we didn't see the Falcons make 
an overt effort to try to trade Julio Jones until the Monday of draft week. Remember, the Monday of draft week, that's when three different reporters all had the same thing. What yeah. a coincidence. No, it wasn't. The Falcons pulled the cord on the lawnmower to try to get something lined up for Julio Jones. It would have been effective June 2. And you're right, Chris. If they would have started this back in late February, early March, maybe somebody would have said, hey, uh, okay, fine. We can wait until June 2. I mean, look at what the Giants paid Kenny Galladay. Yeah. You think if the Giants could have gotten Julio Jones instead of Kenny Galladay, they may have thought maybe this is better for us, all due respect to right. Kenny Galladay? Right. I mean, if we're concerned about hamstring injuries, crap, the, the Galladay had worse of a hamstring problem last year than Julio Jones. Missed more games than Julio Jones last year. So I agree with you. They could have gotten that first-round pick if they had started sooner. Here's what I believe. Here's what I believe. Based upon what I know and now what I think. Yeah. I think they were trying to work it out with him. And one of the things I'm told is he just would not engage with the new head coach. No taking calls, no responding to text messages. And, you know, I, I, they understand the value of having Julio Jones on the team. And I think they didn't work their way through the anger, denial, bargaining, depression, and acceptance until right before the draft where it's like, hey, guys, we got we to have a plan here. What's our plan? Okay, our plan is let's start trying to find a trade partner now, effective June 2, and they came to that conclusion right before the Monday of draft week. Before that, I think they were holding out hope that they could make it all work, and who knows what they would have done with the fourth overall pick if they thought they were keeping Julio Jones around. But I think that's why they didn't move any sooner because they, they, were, they were hopeful they could find a way to mend the fence, and they finally woke up right before the week of the draft and said, we just can't. We got to move on. Yeah, may, maybe. You know, maybe maybe that's what it is. If that is the case, though, you know, it's, it's just, you know, not a great job in reading the tea leaves of the situation. I'll say that much. I mean, yes, because, you know, again, they pigeonholed themselves a little bit. Yeah, free agency was over. Oh, we're going to hope. I hope we can work this out. I hope, I hope, I hope, I hope. You know, again, I think at some point, maybe early on there, you just got to pull the cord and go, wait, we're new. There's something he doesn't like here. He wants he doesn't want to be a part of this new change in a place he's been at it a long time. So he's looking for a total change. And that's where you just got to rip the Band-Aid off and, and do something tough there. So if that's the way it went down, hey, then you you're, certainly can still blame Atlanta in that situation for maybe not being a little more aggressive earlier on in the, in the situation. But they're stuck. And I, I understand them not putting out a comment, Mike. I do, just to, to reference that real quick. They have no relationship with them. And like you just said, there's been no real conversations or contact. And they probably feel a little bit, you know, disrespected to a degree. Not that they're going to take it real personal because it's not personal. But at the end of the day, they're human beings. They're going, wait, we got here. And now he says he doesn't want to be here. So, And we never got a chance to really sell ourselves to him. So that's probably why we don't hear a quote from them either. Well, I just know from experience that when there's a big transaction like this, the press release has yeah, a quote from right. everyone. You're right. Something. Right. One line. It is rare. Right. Rare. PR right. writes it. The coach looks at it and says, okay, or otherwise grunts, and that's the, the statement that's put out on his behalf. Happens all the time. I, I think in this case they were deliberately omitted from the process because he didn't engage with the new regime, and Arthur Blank had to, had to say something. Somebody had to say something, so it was Blank. And look – Let's not understate the influence of Blank on all of this. And one of the reasons why maybe they didn't do it sooner. That's right. Blank wanted that first-round pick. That's Blank right. wanted that first-round pick. And, you know, you, you got to figure out how to properly navigate life 
with a billionaire who can fire you at any moment. Not not that he's just walking around arbitrarily firing people like Russell Dalrymple backstage at the Seinfeld pilot, but I know it gets more and more obscure every year. But I, I, I think that they had to convince Arthur Blank to stand down from his expectation that he was getting a first-round pick. Yeah. And it took him a while to do it. And eventually he did blink. And, you know, I wrote that story yesterday, and it's like, you know, anytime, anytime you, you give a little poke to a billionaire, you never know what the blowback's going to be. But it's the truth. He blinked. And this deal wasn't getting done until he blinked, unless they were going to follow a strategy, Chris, like the one that we had discussed last week, where you find a way to hold Julio Jones – until somebody gets into the season and somebody gets intoxicated by their Super Bowl potential and somebody says, then fine, we'll give you a first-round pick for this guy because we think we're going to be drafting low in round one anyway. Yeah, well, that's where the risk was, though, right? That's where I can't fault them for making this trade right now because, yeah, doing what you're talking about certainly like would have given them the best chance to maybe maximize what you could get for Julio Jones when it all said and done. But, I mean, also... Yeah, I don't know. Somebody falls on his leg and he breaks his ankle in week one. And no, I, but he doesn't show up. Oh, Remember or doesn't said, show up. Yeah, that, what if they have an that agreement? Aspect. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. Where, where, where they work out a deal right. where he stays away and they just put him on ice. But, but the thing is, who's going to pay him? That people are going to so feel, not feel comfortable. Yeah. Yes, right. There's going to be an uncomfortable aspect there. They were stuck as far as yeah. the situation is right now. And, Mike, like I think your point there is very real, and I wish I would have brought that up. Like, the, fo- the point of maybe why they weren't aggressive earlier on in free agency, see, these things I don't know. I haven't heard enough rumors here or things in the in the know yet to know, but maybe that Fontenot and Arthur Smith were going to be aggressive early on in free agency. Maybe Arthur Blank was the one that said, wait, I think I could smooth this over and make it work. So maybe they wait for him. You know, those are the dynamics we don't know, and that's why I certainly don't want to blame anybody. And that's why I say, yeah, it doesn't look great, but I think for the situation it is right now, I think Atlanta did as good as they could have done. You're talking about a new GM, a new head coach, an owner who's had the team 20 years, and your guy Rich McKay, the guy who drafted you in 2003 when he was the GM of the Buccaneers, as kind of the liaison. And and that's a name that, that never gets mentioned. In this, but I guarantee you, Rich McKay had a huge influence on how this went down because he's the one I believe who would be going to Arthur Blank to have these these delicate conversations about when and if they need to abandon their insistence on getting a first round pick for Julio Jones. And you know, from the Titans' perspective, Chris, I thought of this last segment. And, and maybe this is one of the arguments that the Falcons made to try to get a first-round pick. Number one, it is going to be a low first-round pick most likely, so it's basically a second-round pick, so just give us your first-round pick. Oh, and by the way, you wasted a first-round pick last year on Isaiah Wilson. I, I wonder how much the, the Wilson experience was a factor in trade talks and how much it contributed to Tennessee's decision to say, hey, these are all crap shoots. Yeah, we, we don't know. We found out firsthand right. with Isaiah Wilson. Why not? send as Tory Smith pointed out a draft pick for a proven commodity because you always take the proven commodity over the unscratched lottery ticket yes I mean there's no doubt about it you, you do and I, maybe maybe it did it certainly did I mean John Robinson's really smart I don't want to say it certainly did but I think it just goes back to the old adage of like okay wait yeah, there's a little bit of injury history. He's a little older, but he's Julio Jones, 
and we know what he is and how great he is and everything he can bring to the table as compared to, you know, like you're saying, a crapshoot there for, for Julio Jones. You know, just all of it, all of it's good for for the Tennessee Titans. Uh, that That's where I look at it, other than they just got to figure out some cap things and, yeah, you're going to have to maybe pay him some big money if he has a big year or something like that. But that's probably a problem they welcome as well. I, I mean, that that's what they're hoping for here. But I just think some of the moves they made in free agency and now, like, Julio goes to a place where, you know, it's just a better setup for him altogether in every aspect. The team's better. I believe Ryan Tannehill's better than Matt Ryan. And he's a better down-the-field thrower, so that's going to benefit Julio. And unlike in, in Atlanta, where there's no run game to speak of right now or anything like that, I think even statistically, this place is better for Julio to then you know, make more money and do all that. So everything makes sense from Julio's standpoint. And other than the contract situation, to me, everything makes sense from the Tennessee Titans' standpoint as well. I... I- I made the remark yeah. privately on Saturday that we were officially at the point in the Julio Jones life cycle where there was nothing further to report when someone from ESPN reported that Julio Jones wants a guy with a big arm who can throw the ball down the field. Gee, thank you. Thank you for that. Yes, I thought he wanted a guy with a pop gun arm, Chris. I <laughs> mean, of course he right. wants a guy who can get the ball down the field. And Ryan Tannehill – see. People like to lock into their narrative. Yeah, tell them, Mike. Go ahead. There's still that group out there that hears Ryan Tannehill and immediately thinks, sucks. Yeah. Because they came to that conclusion when he was with the Dolphins. Ryan Tannehill sucks. Ryan Tannehill, he's no good. Ryan Tannehill, he can't play. And he's a prime example of a guy that, that, unlike the vast majority of quarterbacks who come into the NFL, especially first-rounders, who get three years max nowadays to figure it out. You know, we talk about that all the time. Ryan Tannehill is the exception to that. Ryan Tannehill got eight years in Miami yeah. before they finally decided we, we we just we have to move on. Right. We've we've determined after eight years that you're not going to be a franchise quarterback and never will be. And then he goes to Tennessee and he instantly becomes a franchise quarterback. Well, it, and most people can't can't process that. Yeah, it, it, it's six years, not eight, just to correct you. It was but eight years. Ways. 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18. It was seven years. Yeah, so seven split years. The okay, difference. there we go. Seven years. Cool. All seven right. Years. And, and you're right. That's how most people do look at Ryan Tannehill. They get knocked in, locked into the narrative. That's right. And the nar- first off, let me just say, as you've heard and we've discussed many times, the narrative was freaking wrong. Like, get over yourselves. Your narrative was wrong. Like, the, the Miami Dolphins in his seven years made the golden rule of how to screw up a top 10 pick and not make your quarterback a franchise quarterback. See, they're trying not to do that this time around with Tua, but they did everything you know we've talked about with the teams that do something wrong with a franchise quarterback. That's why we brought up the Sam Darnold conversation so much early on in free agency and stuff with like Sam Darnold and all that. It's the same thing. What did the Dolphins do to, 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 like, to bring Ryan Tannehill up? What did they do support-wise? 
I mean, yes, Adam Gase was there, solid offense, nothing special. Nobody's going to write books about, oh, my gosh, Adam Gase's offense is the greatest we've seen in the history of the NFL. That's not going to happen. Nobody's going to write about the talent there. They never gave him a chance. And anybody that was really paying attention went, wait, he's doing way better than people realize, and he's actually one of the stars of the football team. But since they weren't going to the playoffs, we just, oh, they lost. Blame it on the quarterback. Blame it on, you know, Ryan Tannehill, who doesn't look that cool or whatever. I don't know. The results are phenomenal the last few years to what you're talking about. And he's one of the best down-the-field passers in all of football. I mean, and these are not garbage time stats or anything like that. But that's where it fits. They're a power-throwing football team. They want to run the ball, and then they want to run play action and throw down the field and strike deep for explosive plays. And Ryan Tannehill is as good as it gets in football the last two years at that. And that's where the marriage is, is really damn good. And, yeah, I'm taking Tannehill over Matt Ryan right now. And let's remember this. 2016, Gase's first season as head coach of the Dolphins, they made it to the playoffs, and Tannehill was having a great season. He That's got right. hit low by Calais Campbell yep. in a game against the Cardinals, messed up his knee. And, and this is when the Dolphins made their most fateful medical decision since rejecting Drew Brees. They decided not to have the ACL reconstructed right. because they thought that Six of one, half a dozen the other, a partially torn ACL, which doesn't heal on its own, versus a fully reconstructed ACL. We'll take our chances. And then early in training camp 2017, pop goes the ACL, yep. and that's it for Ryan Tannehill. So, um, you know, it's just unfortunate that that happened because he was finally coming around yes. in Miami. Right. And and now the, the Titans are getting the benefit of it. Uh, and uh, and now you throw Julio Jones into the mix, and it's only like, going to be better. Here's okay. Go ahead. I was going to ask you, like, do, do we? Do, uh, I, I've been thinking about it for like the last you know 24 hours here. I mean, is, is there? Can you think of a trade for a receiver, really, in modern history here, or anything like that? That it, it's it's these two type of caliber players now at receiver together at the same time. Am I missing one that's obvious? I mean, I know we've had some good ones. But not where we are like, whoa, there's a top 10 receiver here. Moss and here. Welker. Moss and that's, Welker. That's, about, that's where I came to. Right, right. Okay, right. And, and, and to me, that's still, even though it's Moss and Welker, is not as great as these two because Welker, as awesome as he was, isn't just the pure, pure physical specimen that A.J. Brown is, like where you can just go, well, we don't really need to like do a lot of plays to get you open. You're just a freak. Get open. Like That's the kind of guy he is. That, to me, is where it's special, too. I mean, it's, it's rare that I, we see this type of move with that type of player already being there on the roster and going, we're going to get one just like him. How about that? Deal with that, defenses. That's where I really think it's cool. And let's hear from Ryan Tannehill regarding his reaction to the trade that brings Julio Jones to town. I'm excited. I'm fired up. You know, it's been a uh, been a little bit up and down. Didn't know if it was going to happen or not. Uh, just kind of along, along for the ride like everybody else. And, um, you know, my agent called me today and said, said it was going to happen. So, uh, excited, you know, excited to bring Julio on board. Uh, to pair him across from AJ on the other side, you know, it's a, a really dynamic, dynamic duo uh, for our side receivers. So, uh, looking forward to what he can bring to the table. Obviously, a lot of work in front of us. Um, 
gonna have to, to feel each other out and get on the same page. But looking forward to the work and then looking forward to the good things to up. You know, I'm uh, I'm excited. How could you not be excited to play with the guy uh, from the caliber of talent that Julio is and has been for his whole career? So uh, excited to get to know him as a person and uh, and just welcome him to the team and, and, and get him acclimated to the way we do things. Well, you know how I know the world's getting back to normal? I think that's the first time in a year and a half that I had a, had to really focus on what a guy was saying because there was actually background noise. noise. Right. What's background noise? Yeah. What's that? Are people in a room together? What the hell's going on here? <laughs> uh, I mean, how could he not be excited? I mean, really? How could he not be? You know, it's a quarterback's dream come true. Really? It is in a lot of ways. Now, it's just like we talked about with some other quarterbacks this offseason. You know, people are going to expect big results now. But it shouldn't change anything for Tannehill. He's been giving big results the last two years. His statistics have been as good as the top quarterbacks in football. So he shouldn't panic. But, man, that I mean, quarterbacks dream in, wait, we got a good offensive line. Coach likes to run the ball. Wow, that's great. And we got a, just a superstar running back, as good as we've ever seen. And now those two guys where, yeah, they can get open and run any, any route. But there are also those two type of guys, Mike, where – you know, quarterback loves it. Oh, they're covered. Oh, I got people around me. Let me just throw to number 11. Let me just throw to number eight. I know they're covered, but who cares? You know, oh, my guy got it. Well, I'm not that surprised. That's what they do. I mean, that's just, it's amazing. He's got to feel really, really good today. At, at the risk of being accused of applying a jinx, because I'm not, I'm not. I, I think this is a fair question at this point. Guys get injured. Tannehill got knocked out for a full season, got knocked out for part of a season, then was gone for a full season. I'm looking at their roster right now. Deshaun Kaiser and Logan Woodside mm -hmm. are the alternatives behind Ryan Tannehill. It's not like there's a bunch of veterans out there. But I think that to the extent that there are or will be, Tennessee suddenly becomes an attractive spot for a veteran who's looking to be ready to go yes. in the event yes. that the starter gets injured. Uh, agreed. In fact, I think when you make this type of move, Tennessee's got to be the team that now has to protect themselves for that. You know, Just like we've seen New Orleans do. Sean Payton was always smart enough to go, wait, we're, we're a Super Bowl team. I'm not going to just let, like, oh, our quarterback got hurt, and hey, screw you, you guys, the other 52 guys. We're not going to make it. The quarterback got hurt. It's over. Let's go home. Like, that's where, yes. Now, now that's probably something they're going to have to think and keep on their radar here because you have gone to a Super Bowl-caliber football team now. you got to protect your interests, and I wouldn't trust Logan Woodside. No disrespect to you, Logan, or Deshaun Kaiser. Just not enough experience and, and, and not proven enough to be able to take over the realm of, of this type of team like this. So uh, I would think that's something they're going to they're gonna keep their eye on. As best I can tell, the guys that are out there right now RG3, Matt Barkley. Is he still out there? Barkley, I Barkley's believe, still is still out, there, out there. Yeah. I would think he'd be uh, somebody you think about. Your guy Nick Mullins is still out there. You want him? Nope. Negative Ghost Rider. Um, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm going to quit. I'm going to quit. But, but I, I like the Barkley idea. That's not the worst. All right. But the other, you know, like we've talked about too, I, I think, and, and you, you've said this. Training what camp. about Alex Smith coming out of retirement? Well, to that, be the backup, be, I'd, I'd think twice. I'd think twice. Not not that he's going to get the ball down the field to Julio Jones, but if I'm Alex, that's Smith, the kind of guy you and, like. Yeah, yeah, right. You know, just like okay, somebody who's ready to go and come in and play and exactly. get the ball distributed. Exactly, he'll be smart. He'll take care of the ball. 
we got we fixed our defense, Tennessee, this offseason. They're going to be hoping for that. So, yeah, I mean, and, and of course, we know there'll be training camp casualties and things like that to where they'll be able to address it probably at the end of August at some point and go, oh, wait, some team's going to get rid of a veteran. Here we go. Come here. This is a great spot. I would think that's got to be on their radar. One thing to mention on the way out the door here, your guy Kyle. Yeah. Uh, I saw the was quote. Asked about, he was <laughs> asked about it yesterday. Uh, do we have it? Can we play Kyle talking about the fact that Julio Jones is no longer a Falcon? Here's, here's Kyle Shanahan uh, at a Fox Sports NASCAR event with Bob Pachras talking about the, the, the trade. By the way, Kyle was the grand marshal Whoa. for the NASCAR race at the Sonoma Raceway on Sunday. Here's Kyle Shanahan uh, talking Julio Jones. Jones is a Tennessee Titan now. Your, uh, your thoughts? Very bad he's in the AFC. <laughs> <laughs> it would have been nice to have him in Santa Clara. It would have been a hell of a deal, but my second favorite choice is to be in the AFC. That team that you have to play with, right? Uh, yes, but you got to worry about everyone. But my, number one, him not being in our division is a huge deal. Um, the NFC is the second favorite, but Julio's the man. Everyone knows how good a player he is. Cal's beard's looking more and more like Look, mine every day. Yeah, seriously, that thing got gray. <laughs> you know, that's what head coaching will uh, do. You know, <laughs> age you in a hurry. But, well, and, and, and it's going to slow down now that he doesn't have to worry about Julio Jones in the conference. His his first choice would have been to go get Julio Jones, which they we've talked about that. They yeah. didn't need him. They've got great young receivers, and you've got yeah. a huge salary cap. And how many picks can they trade away him. in one year? <laughs> exactly, right. exactly, exactly. Yeah, yeah, you just sent two future ones right. and your 12th overall pick to go up and get Trey Lance. But Hey, next best thing, get him the hell out of the conference. Yes, I, I think so. And you know, we never, cause I, he could have been in Seattle or, or the Rams. That's, or was, uh, that's where he's, that's where he's taking a deep breath. He's just going, man, those psycho Rams. I'm good. They didn't just trade away another first round pick or something and get him. And yeah, I'm sure that sure he was scared of, of Seattle. So that's great. And, you know, I don't know, other than those two teams, right, I don't know if I really ever heard another NFC team significantly in the mix or anything like that. But, yes, I'm sure Kyle coached him. Kyle knows how special Julio Jones is. He used to wax poetically about him quite often. Seattle was, as of last week, the betting favorite, right. which, again, you and I didn't buy. Mm -hmm. The Rams bubbled up and bubbled out. I was told last Sunday, Memorial Day weekend, that the Rams were out, and they never resurfaced at any point during the week. There's just a point where you can't do it. We talked yeah. about that earlier when yeah. Jalen Ramsey complained on Twitter. You just can't keep selling first-round picks to go get guys who have big contracts and who are going to want even larger contracts sooner rather than later you get your team built around Jalen Ramsey Aaron Donald Julio Jones it, it, it's not sustainable no it's no. just not sustainable yeah. all right let's go ahead and take a break all right uh god we only have done two segments we got to do five segments in an hour that'll be for Pete to figure out when we return Mark Murphy Packers CEO pouring a little jet fuel on the fire with something he had to say in response to a question that wasn't even asking him about Aaron Rodgers. We'll discuss that next here on PFT Live. That, that Aaron Rodgers guy, just any thoughts on what's going on with him and that situation in Green Bay and what, you know, the, the result of that might be for the rest of the NFC North, you know, how that might open the door if, if you know, for a lot of teams to, to compete. 
I love 12, you know what I mean? I, I want him to do whatever makes him happy in life. And that's just coming from in life, life and friend standpoint and perspective. I just want him to just be happy, you know, live his life and do what he needs to do. You know, but, you know, for Lion, for my team and everything, uh, yeah, go ahead and just stay out for a minute. Let's, let's go ahead and get loose. I mean, you know, we'll, we'll go get some too, but, you know, you know, make it easier for us, you know. Jamal Williams, former Packers running back, now with the Lions. Yes, he would very much like to see Aaron Rodgers not with the Green Bay Packers. Jamal Williams is going to be a very, very entertaining member of that Lions team. And I, I hope he does well. I hope he's a guy that is in demand because I, th- I just think that he's got a great way about him. We, we've had some sound from him so far this offseason. Um, not sound, but print from Mark Murphy, the Packers CEO, Christopher. The closest thing that the organization has to an owner because it's a corporation. Once every month or thereabouts, Mark Murphy does a Q&A column on the Packers' official website. And the latest one dropped over the weekend. Now, this, this is fascinating to me. I'm going to read the question. And yeah, then no, please do. The relevant part of the answer. Yeah. This is a question from a guy named Ken. Dear Mark, you have done a great job. Don't let the bastards drag you down. Washington needs a name. I suggest the generals. Now, there's nothing in the question that would in any way remotely point to the ongoing impasse with Aaron Rodgers. Unless, of course, Murphy believes that one of the bastards dragging him down is Aaron Rodgers. (laughs) That's what I thought. Apply him to a lie detector test, and he probably (laughs) would say yes. So what what Murphy says, and by the way, the the Washington comment's in there because Murphy played for the franchise back in the day, uh, many, many days ago. Thanks, Ken, said Murphy. The situation we face with Aaron Rodgers has divided our fan base. The emails and letters I've received reflect this fact. As I wrote here last month, we remain committed to resolving things with Aaron and want him to be our quarterback in 2021 and beyond. We're working to resolve the situation and realize that the less both sides say publicly, the better. Okay, the less they say publicly, the better. I agree. Why in the hell? Says the guy publicly. Why in the hell are you saying this publicly when the question that you're responding to doesn't even ask about Aaron Rodgers. Are you kidding me? I, I, I'm, I, don't, I don't get it either. It, it's, it's like they went in with a preconceived notion of what they wanted to get out there. That, that's really yes. what it is. You know, and... Uh, Just make up an Aaron Rodgers question, though. This question comes from Paul. Seriously, that's Paul where I don't get it. know what's up with Aaron Rodgers. I mean, who... who who's going to know that they made up the question? Yeah, exactly just, right. The whole thing... This, to me, feels like the middle finger back to Aaron Rodgers for all of the pictures and videos of him in Hawaii for the first week of OTAs. That's what it feels like to me. Yeah, I, I get it. Or at least another, like, just shot or or notice of, like, hey, look what you're doing to the fans here. And, uh, you know, it, we're ca- you're causing a problem with our fan base and those things. Like, almost playing to... You know, a little bit of the insecurities that you talk about a lot of the times with Rodgers, that he's almost like, hey, look, you divided us. So maybe he'll feel the pressure of this comment. Yep. You know, I, I thought of that because I thought that's what you would think of when I read this yesterday. That's really what I thought. I, not that I would have naturally come to that, but since I've worked with you so long, well, I actually thought of that because I was like, you know what, Mike, this might be part of that whole your read on this situation, which has been damn good so far. 
It's been two weeks since Rodgers was yeah. on ESPN for Kenny Maine's final sports center and said, I love my teammates. I love my coaches. I love the fans. And it's an issue with the people. Remember that? The whole people, person, yeah. paper, people stuff. Yeah, we had right. the little jingle from the office. It was great. But this was all part of an effort for him to avoid alienating the fan base. The way that Murphy is setting it up, and I, I take issue with that based upon my own experience and what I hear from people early on once the Aaron Rodgers stuff hit the fan I was starting to sense that some fans were were concerned but since then I haven't gotten the sense that the fans are aligning against him I think they're taking a wait and see position in their mind it doesn't matter until he doesn't show up right for now it's just talk you know, they came to the conclusion that Rodgers would have wanted them to come to, which ah, it's all overblown. It's all a media creation. Don't believe any of it for now. And uh, what 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 Rodgers uh, maybe didn't bank on is Murphy being the one to come out and say there is polarization. There is red state, blue state going on. Rodgers doesn't want red state, blue state. He doesn't want that. He wants everybody behind him. And I think that's one of the reasons Murphy said what he said. You know, there's no way that this thing was just kind of accidentally put out there by no Mark way. Murphy. This was the product of careful thought, deliberation, agonizing over every word. We got to get it just right, and let's see how the people react to it, and then let's see how Aaron reacts to yeah, it. Yeah, I, I mean, I feel the same way you do as in the, you know, there's the Aaron Rodgers haters that think, oh, he's being a baby or blah, 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 but they're not Packers fans. I feel like the Packers fan base, for the most part, understands the situation, at least from – my take on things, whether it's social media or just watching the news or they're, they're reading local stuff there, to where, yes, I don't think there's going to be any real blame until, you know, someone makes some crazy decision here or something is, you know, something, the, the crap hits the fan, for lack of a better phrase. But, like, the situation is what it is because of Mark Murphy and the Green Bay Packers. Now, and, and again, that's where I go back to this divided the fan base sure whatever phrase you want to do I I don't know but again these are things where I want to go what did you expect to happen what did you think was going to happen with your fan base and a guy like Aaron Rodgers who was still playing really good football and all those things and that's where it's a weird situation altogether and I think really in the end game I I don't know the more this goes on I just feel like Green Bay is going to look worse than Aaron Rodgers do you think that Mark Murphy doesn't want Rodgers to show up? Mm. I think there's a there, there might be a little bit of a like yes and no. I feel like I want to say I feel like from maybe from the PR standpoint and him not showing up, it could be one more time where they can kind of point a finger and see see like hey, see he's a pain in the butt. See we told you he's not easy and all that. But I got to think there's also another aspect of them to go, wait, if he doesn't show up and he doesn't play and we do go eight and nine or something like that, whoa, is our butts going to be hot? I mean, people are going to want, you know, want us for dead. The fact that we had a Super Bowl team and the MVP of football and he didn't show up and now the team fell apart. And oh, man, the guy that we, you know, traded up in the first round to get, he just looked okay and not great. That's got to be in the back of their mind, too, to where they got to be at that moment going, well, I hope he shows up because I'm just not sure I'm ready for the reality of Jordan Love and this football team quite yet.
So Murphy separately was asked about Jordan Love. Let me, let me tell yeah. you what Murphy had to say about Jordan Love in the same column. It was a shame for Jordan that the pandemic impacted so much of his rookie year. Although it wasn't a completely wasted year, we had no person in-person practices in the offseason program and no preseason game experience. It's hard to tell a lot in the offseason practices. Both Matt LaFleur and offensive coordinator Nathaniel Hackett have said they like what they've seen from Jordan this offseason. Hackett said the biggest difference this year is his confidence in the system and that his decision-making, timing, and accuracy have all improved. It's obviously helped him to get reps with the first-team offense this offseason. Twist the knife. Twist the knife. The preseason games this year will be crucial in his development. What also will be crucial is whether he's the starter or the backup in those preseason games. Look, I, I look at it this way, Chris. They made the decision to trade up to get Jordan Love. And and I, I get it. They wanted Justin Jefferson. He was gone. They wanted Brandon Ayuk. They got leapfrogged by the 49ers. So they move up and get Jordan Love. They moved up to get Jordan Love. They saw something in Jordan Love. They believe in Jordan Love. And I think they'd very much like to prove to the world that they got it right. Yeah. Jordan Love. Yeah. So, But I, he's telling I, I you that, it's not ready yet because of those excuses well, he made with that and all that. Not, not well, excuses, and, and, but they're real. And if we go eight and nine this year, this is why. This is it does why. set it and, up that way. You're right. And and we're well positioned for 2022. I mean, look at it this way. If Aaron Rodgers is going to be gone after this season, and I think he will be, I, I think that, that they're going to trade him in, in March. Right. Would you rather have Jordan Love thrust into the starting role yeah. for the first time next year, or would you rather have him get the benefit of being the starter this year because all the reps he gets – this year, getting the game to slow down this year, they're going to be better next year. And there was always going to be a transition yeah. from Rodgers to no, Love. You're right. And 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 may, maybe you just say, we'll take the $35 million, we'll reapply that elsewhere in the organization, reinvest it. Again, no owner, so no one's sucking away profit. You can take that money and reinvest it. And we don't have to worry about Aaron Rodgers winning a Super Bowl with the Broncos or the Raiders or someone else. And he'll look like the jerk because he sat out. I really do think that if Mark Murphy were to tell us the honest-to-God truth right now, he would say, I'd rather Rodgers not show, we get $35 million, Jordan Love gets a year to develop, and we trade Aaron Rodgers next March, uh, uh, which we're going to do whether he shows up or not anyway. I don't disagree with anything you said, except there's just one aspect that is that, that to me affects all of those things. You know, and that is where exactly is Jordan Love in his development? And I think that's why it's part of that quote. I think they're clueless. They, he was raw to begin with, and then they don't really know where he's at. So that's scary. And I think, like, yeah, it, like what you're talking about is good to a certain degree. But if it ends up, but in, they got to find out someday. I know they got to find out but, someday where but he they is. They don't want to do it at four, 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 and be four and thirteen, and him look really bad and everything like that. That's where they got to be careful with this type of situation. And I'm sure that's where he's making the comments about the pandemic, and we didn't get to do that. I think in the perfect world, you're right. He'd love to be like, man, he played last preseason. He got the reps last year. Screw you, Aaron Rodgers. We're going with this guy. Go the hell, sit out of football. I don't disagree with you in that thought there, but I think it's about where Jordan Love is in his progress, and I think that's probably where I think Aaron Rodgers is also knows he has power here. I think he knows Jordan Love ain't ready, and they're not going to have the guts to go to him right now. 
and that he is still the man here in this situation. So I think that's where it's it's tough for Green Bay to play that card. I think w- just me looking from the outside on the lo- uh, you know on the outside looking in for a guy like he is, I do think he's raw. Yes, he didn't have the experience of last year and all those type of things. I think if I'm in Green Bay and I'm just the coach, right? I'm the coach and I want the perfect world. I'm going, ooh, I'd like him to have one more year of, you know, he can really be the backup quarterback and get reps during the season. I mean, the fact that he was not even dressed for the football games last year I don't know if everybody – what's that? What do you call that thing? A mega horn? That's a mega horn, okay? <laughs> it's going, oh, oh, our, our first-round quarterback, we don't trust him. We don't trust him to be the backup or the third stringer. Like, that's – that's so that tells you how raw he is. That's really rare, right, Mike? I mean, again, I'm just trying to think off the top of my head. You know, first-round picks who don't even dress a whole year – in 2020, like you don't hear that story anymore. So that's to me where I think they got to be a little careful. Megahorn is Megahorn is one of the attacks in Pokemon, so it is a word. Okay, but um, it's it's a new Florioism. I like I'll it. I'll take it, baby. Yeah, I'll baby. take it. Uh, we need to take a break. <laughs> Pete is blowing the Megahorn in my ear. Go to break. Go to break. Go to break. We'll be back with more PFT Live right after this. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. The legends are true. Overwhelming power. The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10 piece Wick Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba da ba ba ba. Go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. <laughs> 